Hello, humans. Today we are having, I, I'm calling this episode Jam with fellow reinventor Cindy Ingram. We're going to have Cindy on later in the year because she is in the editing stages of her book. And we have been in the writing room together for the last year, definitely, year plus, um, writing every single day. And she watched me go through publishing my book and um, I'm watching her get to the just before publishing stages. But today, we're going to talk a little bit more about reinvention. So welcome, Cindy. And I have, instead of introducing who you are now, right now, I want to, I'm going to get to that last, but I want to play a little game. Um, You're, I don't know what age, it doesn't really matter, but your first career and okay. I know we are not our careers, (laughs) but Cindy and I both happened to, that was the vehicle for our most recent reinvention. So I'm going to stick with the theme of career vehicle. If you were to introduce the Cindy in her first, not first job, but like first work, first career, who would you be introducing? Oh, good question. I would be introducing a um, art museum educator. Yeah. And anything on the inside, because, because I think it will come up that reinvention shows up on the outside, but it's usually because things happen on the inside. Okay. What was on the inside? Um, it's, oh, it's, this will be interesting because the inside in terms of my career is really kind of similar to where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really deep passion for art, um, really deep connections to art that I couldn't necessarily under- understand, but I knew I needed to be near it. Mm-hmm. And I also had a very natural gift for teaching and I've always I'd always liked teaching and any opportunity I got to do it if I felt the most comfortable and the most me that I that I could feel at a time in my life where I was like riddled with anxiety um like I was um when we talk about my book that it's in the book but it's like filled with shame and anxiety and things um but when i was teaching and when i was with art i did not have all of that anxiety and shame so anyway so that's why i chose um to work in museums because i felt like i could um share that passion for art with other people and that i could get to be around art all day and work with art all day and that just was a dream even though it didn't make it very much money and jobs were hard to get. Um, I didn't really care. What I noticed when you share that is that you use the word felt a lot, like the way art made you feel and you got jobs in museums, you know, for, for, so that you could feel close to art. And I think that's so interesting because to me, it shows a certain level of self-trust to choose those kinds of things when we might think we need to do something different. Just planting a random little flag of noticing there. Yeah, I love that because at the time too, I was a very like straight A student, top of my class, very smart. I, you know, I was very good at like math. And, and so when I chose to get my degree in art history, people, you know, were kind of looking at me weird 
Um, because, you know, I could make a lot more money and be a lot more successful if I'd gone into engineering or, um, I was considering economics at one point, but I have always been, uh, I have to feel right in the, in whatever I'm doing. It has to feel right. And that art history felt right. It just felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. So. I think that's a good North star and we're, yeah. I, I'm glad you were able I mean, I'm I'm kind of thinking back and right, like I've never jumped anything in anything on purpose that felt wrong, like that I knew it felt wrong. And usually, those are often catalysts. At some point, it's like, yeah, this this now is starting to suck my soul. Yeah. So, um, just honoring those of us out there that are in tune with that somatic knowing, even if it at times wasn't fully developed, it was just a little kernel, but we held that little kernel. Okay, what's yeah. the next, um, is there a next reinvention that was more dramatically different before um, we get to where I met you? Um, yeah, I went from museum education to teaching in the classroom, mainly okay. because I had uh, gotten laid off from a job. Okay. Um, so that's not a big jump. I mean, my all of my career has been very very similar um yeah i I taught um i taught elementary and i've taught middle school uh, art and um i taught online so that was yeah i mean it wasn't necessarily a reinvention it was just uh couldn't get a job in a museum because there's not very many museum jobs there (laughs) and then i do think it is a big leap uh i know a lot of your peers and colleagues have done this and i've seen quite a few of my own it's a big leap to move from the classroom to being self-employed was that mm-hmm. the next yeah, structural that was... reinvention so let's talk about that what did that a what was the v what was the context or the job and then what happened inside to allow you to do that okay okay <laughs> yeah so i Oh man, this is this is my whole book. Okay, um, I was teaching, and then I had my first daughter. Mm-hmm. I have two daughters, and really having her made me take a really kind of hard—not a hard look, but just a, a look at my life to see, um, like, am I raising this kid into a into a life that? where she has a mom that she can be proud of where, oh. where she has a life that, that she loves. That is and, and at the time, my life was very, very small. It was very much like I had been healing from all this anxiety and stuff and I was teaching, but I wasn't, I love to teach, but I don't necessarily love to be a teacher because it's exhausting. And I have a lot of sensory overwhelm and things like that, which I later many years later learned was ADHD, but I, you know, it was really exhausting um, for me. And and, and I'm also like very much of a, um, I like a lot of novelty and newness and I like, I like to make a difference. And I felt like every day was kind of the same and, and and there was no (laughs) growth in that career. Yeah. Um, you know, you just, you just end the year and then you just, you do it again and then you do yeah. it again yeah. and again. And I was like, I can't, yeah. I can't see myself doing that, but I didn't know what else to do because like, I couldn't be a museum educator because that pays lower than a teacher and there's no jobs. Teaching is not very exciting. Um, so I even, at the time I was like, what, what am I going to do? So I considered being a software developer. Like I was just like, what am I going to do? But then one day um, I 
I had the idea. I well, I'm and also am a serial entrepreneur. My entire life, it was always like, oh, I'm going to do this. And I had one time I had a whole art cafe planned out, and then one time I was going to sell woodblock print cards that I was going to make and um, and, and sell. And uh, this was like before Etsy even existed, so I don't even know where I would have sold them. But like, I would. There was always something. I was even when I was a kid, I would sell like presidential campaign posters to my neighbors during the elections. Like I was always trying to sell something or, um, and I never was happy in any job because I didn't like, I don't like people telling me what to do. I like to be in charge. So I knew I've always known I was an entrepreneur. I knew I just, I have always known. I just didn't know what. And then, um, what, what prompted it is I listened to a podcast and this was in 2014. I listened to a podcast, um, from a, it was uh, a woman interviewing a blogger and this blogger had just gone on a year long trip around the world with her family. Um, they, and then she worked from wherever she was at because she was a blogger. She was making money, supporting her family they, and, and then she could work from anywhere. And they, they went from place to place for an entire year. And I was just like, I want to do that. Like, That's what I want to do. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what do I do? What do I want? What, how do I make this happen? And I was like, okay, well, the problems as I see it is I have a lot of debt. I have a very low paying job. Um, at the time I was teaching online. Um, I was working from home, which was great because I could be with my daughter, but like I was, uh, oh, two daughters at this point, 2014. Um, I needed to be able to have the freedom to work from home or from work from anywhere. Um, and then I needed like physically needed to like the stamina to be able to do something like that. Yeah. Um, turns out there's a fourth thing I needed. I didn't know that I needed was that family that would be willing to do such a thing, which turns out I don't have that either, but that's, that's a whole other story. Making one of those decisions when they're like, what the hell did you do? And you're like, yeah, that's good. And they're like, oh. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> yeah, so this scared the happen. shit out of my husband for a few years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, okay, that this is what I'm going to do. Like, I was like, I'm going to make an online business because um, I learned online businesses existed through this person. I mean, I guess I knew they existed because like, I had had like five blogs by this point. I was always starting blogs for different reasons, um, but this was the first time I was like, oh, I'm going to start one that will make money, and. I'm going to reply. And I was like, I, by the time my, my youngest daughter turns 10, I'm going to be able to do this trip around the world. My daughter just turned 11, but the, the youngest just turned 11. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to make enough money to replace my salary, my husband's salary. Um, we're going to get rid of all of our debt. And then we're going to, you know, do this trip. That was the goal. And then um, like almost immediately uh, I planned a trip I was like, oh, we got to start traveling more. <laughs> and then I start, and then I started the website. I had the idea for what what it would be on um, on March thirty first, two thousand fourteen, and I wrote my first blog post the next day. I had the website built. Like I just, you know, you know me. When I make a decision, I mean, yeah, it happens yeah. immediately. Um, so <laughs> it started one of my out favorite <laughs> things about working with you. <laughs> yeah, and so I started a site. It was going to be sort of like a a homeschool site because I, I was homeschooling my daughters at the time uh well I was about to and um because my oldest has a lot of anxiety so I didn't think she could handle going to school just yet so uh, it was going to be homeschool but like art for homeschoolers um but then I really quickly realized within a matter of months that oh teachers teachers need what I'm offering to and I started realizing all the the ways that I taught was different because it was came from kind of a museum focus 
came from a looking at our focus and talking about it rather than making um, that a lot of teachers really need that education because we weren't taught that in, in school. So then I, yeah, I started it, started, it was just going to be a, uh, it was a blog that sold some digital products at first. And then I built a membership <laughs> side first. about a year <laughs> at first. And then I built a membership site about a year later, a year and a half later. Yeah. And then that membership site really blew up from just a, a blogging, not just, but a blogging site. Yeah. And you ended up with um, a seven-figure business, staff. Tell us a little bit more what it turned yeah. into at the height of your passion yeah. for it. Yeah. So then I don't was... want to say at the height of it because it's still out there in the world. Um, yeah. And it was like, how which, do you define height too? Like, yeah. which is interesting. Um, like on what yeah, standards is, is height? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started the membership site for our teachers in 2015. I didn't start really making money. My first big launch was 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's when I quit my job. Um, I had been working and running the website okay. for doing both for the first Mm -hmm. three years. And then, so I quit my job, um, kind of had some slow growth there. And then, you know, it was like every year was just a little bit better than the year before. But I, of course, was after this goal that I was in all those like, Bro marketer crowds and um, all the. And <laughs> she said, were, "Bro marketer." If y'all didn't hear that, you pulled away a little bit. It went away oh, from okay. your microphone. Oh, I just bro marketer is kind of high up. If you don't um, know what that is, Google the phrase. <laughs> uh, yeah, online business bro. There's so many of you know those guys that just they are selling a um, they're selling uh, their method for how to make. How to how to right. launch things, how to how to get business, how to make money um, through their methods, and so I was following their methods, and all of their methods are you got to ten extra business, ten extra business every year, you ten x, and so I had this like million dollar goal in my head. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a million dollar business, like that's that's what I'm gonna do, and I kept working at it and working at it, following their. I even like it did an entire launch following the scripts of one of these right? business bros, yeah. like used his exact scripts, just kind of artified it <laughs> and, artified and i was it, like yeah. why was i surprised that it that did not really work <laughs> and it didn't because I, but we're you know, sold that it will we're sold that it will right we i mean you know the the yeah we're sold yeah. that it will and yeah. that there's something wrong with you if it doesn't yes yes yeah. okay and even though I, I feel like i've detoxed from that you know a whole mm-hmm. lot I mean, it still comes up. Even just yesterday, I was having a conversation with someone and I was just like, I couldn't do it. And she, <laughs> and she was like, you, one, you did it. And two, like, uh, yeah, I just like, there was this, there's this, this thing that we're supposed to want and we're supposed to be able to get if we just do these things and I, I couldn't do it. And so I just like, I still can kind of feel like a failure, even though I like don't even have that goal anymore. It's, it's, right. ugh, it's creepy. So um, so I was still kind of in that that world, trying to trying to um, trying to reach this this um, the seven figure business when I joined the same mastermind that you, you that I met you in, um, and that was in 2020. And so I remember so clearly, like um, one of the first meetings we had in that mastermind was uh, I remember saying, "I'm not having fun anymore." Mm. Um, Oh, I haven't teared up saying that right now. Mm-hmm. And I, can I is, do I need to move my mic down? Is this like, 
<laughs> um, okay. uh, I was like, I'm just going to do it even because I'm just going to, I'm like, oh, now my, my mic needs to be moved down. Okay. No, yeah. Um, I wanted this to be this. <laughs> I was going to, for our audience, Cindy has <laughs> been my client and a retreat participant, um, but we're also peers and colleagues. And right now we're, we're not in agreement, you know, we're not under agreement with each other. So I consider us more in the friend and peer and colleague, but there's a soul connection through through our reinvention and through our writing practice. And so I wanted this to be kind of like somewhat like you and I are sitting on um, a a low stimulation, kind of like we were the day out at the painting retreat Uh where we were sitting on under the shade of the umbrella and we were discussing reinvention. We didn't call it that at the time, but Uh so yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay, so <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna fix it on this. Where's my life? Isn't that cute? Yeah, how I, we left the crying really quick and we went to the microphone <laughs> that led us off the track. So come back to the crying. <laughs> come back to the crying. I get it. I was. It was. Oh, in that's the back my, of my new head. coaching base. Come back to the crying, please. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, I, I I remember saying I'm not I'm not having fun anymore. I used to when I started my business. I just worked. I didn't make money for years, and I just I just had such ultimate faith that it would work out. I mm-hmm. knew it was a good idea. I knew it was needed. I knew it was using my talents in the exact right way. Um, and so it was so much fun. And then in the sort of businessification of it, in mm-hmm. the um, strategy of it, in the growing, trying to grow of it, into in the polishing of it, in the mm-hmm. like making it branded and perfect in the delegating the stuff that I do best to other people, mm-hmm. um, like the content creation and the ideas, like other people were doing that. And like, I was like, there, there's a profound lack of joy <laughs> in the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then, and so I was at that place where I was like, that, that was, I was like trying to figure out where I can find that again. And that's when COVID hit. Yeah. So when COVID hit, it was, really a blessing for my business and me because it gave me a boost of excitement again because sitting here with all these teachers at home and I have a product that is that does it's an it's a product for our teachers that doesn't involve supplies because my whole membership mm-hmm. is about looking at our talking about us so I was like I am here like this is exactly right. the right moment for me and then that's when I did start to get successful I was really excited I did a conference right away because our our art education conference was was um, canceled. And in the span of two weeks, I created a conference that had like 10,000 participants and 50 speakers online. And then, you know, it made, it made six, not not six figure, five figures. And then, um, and then we created this curriculum, which then made a whole bunch of other money. It got us on the radars of of a lot of people, um, paid off all the debt that I, you know, was wanting to pay off and bought myself a new house, which we were, were in the process of wanting to do anyway. But like it, I didn't reach the seven figure business. I almost did, but uh, there was a, 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 in theory, I was about to, but then there was a, a part, you know, the story of that, that there was um, some money that was, that was promised and then were taken away. That would have sent me to seven figures, but I was, I was close. Uh, I was close. Um, but it was, it was kind of everything I'd ever wanted, you know, like people were using my kids were getting impacted. Teachers were getting impacted. I felt of service. I was passionate about what we were doing. I was excited about the product. Like it was easy to sell because it was real, really aligned. 
And, um, but then it became like, okay, well, one, how do you keep that up? I, you know, have a big year. And then like, now what? Yeah, the keep that up of running a business is a big challenge that I don't think people, you know, the building, there's, um, there's a, a, like a sexy tension, right? Yeah. And then there's the, the, like the enjoyment of the moment or short season, honestly, and it's not short because it's not still successful, but the dopamine wears off. And then there is, uh, for me, my therapist has helped me realize the responsibility that we take on to maintain and sustain. And I see that exhaust a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners. And, and all of a sudden when the responsibility is higher than the joy or the passion, that's when burnout happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, Oh, hold on. I, it was one of those things where my thoughts split into two. That's okay. Let me bring you back. Cause I want to, um, I want to start I know we've gone the long way, but I think everybody listening can, you know, we all at the, whatever age we are, we can look back and see so many different versions of yourselves, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting because you, your very first one, your very first career, you wanted to be close to art. And then you talked about building this membership site that didn't involve supplies. It was looking at art and talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then you started doing looking at art and talking about it, not from creating curriculum for teachers and children, but you started doing it with yourself and other adults. Yes. And yeah. um, so now, I don't know, I just, I'm, I don't know exactly where it lines up with your story, but I remember sitting, Cindy came to an art retreat that I did, Expressive Arts Retreat. Where we're not painting for we're we're creating art and we're sitting with it and and mm-hmm. talking about it. It's not yeah. about the end result <laughs> of the art. It's it's the the only thing different than being in a museum is we're the ones slinging the paint on it. Yeah, because it was like over the years um, of running this business, I had gotten to the place where I wasn't doing anything creative anymore. Like I wasn't making mm-hmm. the content. I wasn't even I wasn't writing anymore. I've been writing my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I couldn't even write two sentences. I couldn't write. I couldn't even go look at art. Um, I would go to a museum and it would all about be, Oh, how can I put this on the website of the business? Like it was all about like sharing it rather than what it brings to me. It was like all the things that I held most dear. Um, I had been so removed from and all of a sudden the art is connected to the business, but you're getting left out. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, yeah. that's a part of my reinvention too. Okay. And that I just told, yeah. uh, realized that, like, wait, what about me? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And then, um, so, and at the kind of over that time too, I had been slowly kind of developing my philosophy of art, trying to communicate. Like, I would have when I was young, I would have, and well, my whole life, I would have these experiences in front of works of art that were just so powerful. I would cry. I would look at it forever. I, you know, I saw Lion King 12 times at the movie theater when I was in eighth grade. Like, there were these mm-hmm. things that just moved me so intensely. 
And so I was trying to help people experience that. And, and it got to the point where it's like, and where people would say that I'm teaching art history or they'd say I'm teaching art appreciation. I would kind of like cringe. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm doing, <laughs> but I don't know what I'm doing, but that's not it. I was like, I'm not teaching about the yeah. art. I'm not. And so I just, I kept, there, there was just this thing that was just like boiling underneath. I was like, there is something else here. I don't know what it is, but there is something deeper. And mm-hmm. it wasn't really until I started, like, so I was at with that retreat with you in September. I had taken Heather's um, writing, compassionate writer course that summer before. Mm-hmm. And I started to kind of like think about this book that I would write. And then that's when I started to like really try to figure it out. And I was like, there is there's something else. And then I was like, at some point, was I had already enrolled in the coaching I can't remember the the dates. I do know that like, so I love what I heard you say is I tried to figure it out. And if I remember correctly, I I could be wrong, but didn't you start out writing one type of book and switch to. Oh yeah. It was an art education book. Right. Like, Oh, I'm going to write this career book. And next thing you know, it becomes this like soulful memoir um, connected (laughs) to art. Right. So, so I think this, this happens to a lot of us. So we start all of a sudden we get the spark, but it hasn't coagulated in the bug fucking soup. Yeah. And yeah. that's a big phase of reinvention before mm-hmm. it gets fun. And you yeah. were, I can't remember where in bug soup you were, but you were either, you were either approaching or, you know, navigating that spark that September. But I do know the next winter you were bug soupy. Oh yeah. I was, I was probably in September. I was aware that something was off. Like mm-hmm. there, like I knew it wasn't back in 2000 or early 2020. I knew I was like, this isn't funny anymore. So I was like, I knew something was off, but then COVID distracted me. But then mm-hmm. I was like, there's something not right. And then, but I felt like I'm starting to kind of circle it. I'm starting to realize that it, that, okay. It, that, that I've had this lifelong love of self-development. I mean, I'm constantly trying to fix myself. Like that's all it was. <laughs> but then, but I started to realize like, oh, it's not a, I'm learning about, I started to say in different trainings and stuff um, that I'm teaching, I'm not teaching about the art um, or I'm not learning about art. I'm learning about myself through my engagement mm-hmm. with the art. And that's, that's when I was like, oh, okay, that's what it is. Like this, that art is a tool for us to learn about ourselves better. That mm-hmm. art is a way for us to find ourselves and, and see ourselves. And, and, and so there was this, this idea that like, that art was that. Um, at the same time as me going, I have this freaking business that I'm like, don't feel aligned with anymore. But and it's so making so, a lot of money and it just bought me a money. house and I have a team of people that I've pay their, you know, I pay their salaries in there, right? Like, oh, yeah. that's like, oh, shit. Yeah, it was definitely, oh, shit. And I think at that retreat, I had just, I had just laid off two people. Um, if my time and these is are right, people that you cared about too, because I you deeply. are, we talk about gardener versus machine. And listen, I think a lot of reasons certain businesses quote succeed is because people are so blocked off from their caring selves that they just make these really hard decisions. And, you know, I've had to make those decisions too. And, you know, but we also want to work with people. And so 
Yeah. I, I just honor how complex that is. And when you say laid off, it's not like, oh, I just made this decision to make more money. Oh, I just God, went no. through this with Amber, right? Like, I, I care about her as a human and she's done great work for me and it's been a good partnership. And, and you had those kind of things too. But then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, because I think we think about it for a lot more. That's the other thing, Cindy, that I was, I was thinking about, you know, people on the outside don't get to see all this process. They don't get to yeah. see, it looks like a really fast decision. And of course yeah. you're not going to tell your team, like I'm, I'm thinking about, changing businesses, you know, so next thing you know, they're worried for nine months, but looking back, it's like, you said you knew at a certain time, but it takes a while to process through that, to meet our fears and anxieties, to be with the discomfort of it. You know, those confident moments where we pull the string of decision do not come as easy as they appear to the outside world. Oh yeah. That, that was one of the hardest things that I ever did because, well, I knew that the business, like we had been, we could, we weren't sustaining the money from COVID and I was relying on this August launch to like, okay, we're going to have the August launch and then everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, there, but looking back, I'm like, oh, there were all these universe messages. Like you need to be, you need to, you need to do this. Think about this. You need to like, I, and it was just like, that one was like the last one. It was like, if you know, they always say the, the universe is louder and louder, and it wasn't that August launched it like worse than like then probably my one in 2017 where I quit my job, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh shit, like <laughs> I have to, I have to do something now, and uh, and then I felt, you know, it was like I felt guilty, so guilt riddled with guilt for probably six mm-hmm. months after at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I still. If I really, if I allow myself to think about them and the way things were, I'm tearing up again because it's like, I, I feel, I felt so guilty. Um, like, and I failed them. I failed, um, the teachers that I work with. Like, I, I couldn't be successful enough for them. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've just, there were so many people I've failed myself and I had this goal and now I'm, and now it's like, I've done all this work to build this thing. And then, and then it's like, oh God, there's so many feelings. So it's like, it took me a long time to sort of like, allow myself to consider like a new path. Um, well, and I hear, I, first of all, I hear and notice your tenderness and your care and your affection. And it's, you know, I, I, I can hear, and I'm going to call it a part. You and I have that language. I hear a part, right. That calls those things failures because in in the very typical narrows of the plastic box in the container store it looks yeah. like a failure but you weren't leaving that because it was a failure you were leaving that because the you now was calling you yes and that's the same phrase i told when my uh boss at the other company you know, and I left and came back. And when she said, why would you leave everything I've done for you? And why would you leave 100,000 agents at your beck and call? I was like, I'm not leaving you. I'm going towards me. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost easier when something is miserable and horrible and you hate the people because it's like, fuck you, I'm out of here. <laughs> right? Which is very yeah. different from having the courage to um, that that good to great thing to go from something good that perhaps you 
and it actually it is it's proof it is still good out there it's you've just found ways to manage it and run that business and give your soul to something that was that was calling demanding i call it the thing you can't not do yeah right? it was demanding and it was um yeah but that yeah it doesn't knowing that too helps but yeah it just it's still those feelings are still there of course because it it's is like, oh. Because you live in the wild edges of being human. Yeah. And so being an artist, which you always were, but taking that title back as a part of your identity. And that's what I wrote down this morning. I, I wrote reinvention. I wrote desire, shifting, self-permission, clarity, making moves. And all of a sudden, the protective parts and fears and rational things come out. We've got to sort with them through months. Um. I do think there's an interesting thread, and for time's sake, we won't. I'll just want to highlight it. But the thread of neurodivergence and discovering your ADD, like when I hear you telling your stories, I'm hearing similar to mine. And now I know, yeah, that through my education about ADHD and women, oh, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that makes (laughs) sense. But while we're in it, we're going. Something's wrong with me. Why can't I sustain it? Like, why do I love something for six months? And right, like there's, and whether that's conscious or subconscious, that is a a heavy burden that we're carrying. And so it does come with that word of failure on it. Mm -hmm. And yet now you're, you're, you're working within the strengths of those things. Yeah. So let's talk about that reinvention to I am an artist. I am an author. Yeah. So um, I started the program. We were talking about the Art Connection Circle, which is was my kind of playground of figuring this out. I'm showing a a small group of people and we look at art and we talk about it and we talk about our feelings through it. And I saw that I left that last session going, this is what all of this was for. Yeah. Um, and, and I was like, this is, this has been calling me the whole time. Um, the feeling, the feelings I've been having through art my whole life, the, all of these feelings have been leading me to this. Um, and so like that ended that my first circle ended in, um, it was right before I went to the camp last year. And, um, and so I was like, okay, this is, this is, uh, this is the this is the this is the direction I need to go. As scary as this is, I'm going to put art class curator and put my my membership side on sort of a kind of a maintenance mode, um, and I'm going to put my full attention on on what following the breadcrumbs of what this is. And so that's when I started working on my book, and I joined Heather's writing practice. Like, I think from the hotel room at camp, or yeah, yeah. immediately when I got home, like it was <laughs> yeah. I, like it was third, it ended on Thursday and Friday. I like show up to writing practice. Nobody's there. She's, I was like, I joined. And she's like, we didn't have it today because of camp. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I, I immediately was like, okay, that I, and I knew that like I have been formulating this idea of, of art my whole, my whole life. And I was ready to like really fit, put it down on paper. But I was like, I didn't believe I necessarily could write the book because I'd been trying for a couple of years. And it was just like, I'd write it for here, write it for a few days. And then I would, three, three months later, I'd write a little bit more. <laughs> and it, you know, it was like, there was no consistency. And so I made the decision that I had to, if I was going to do this, which I felt very much like I had to do it. Yeah. It wasn't like, 
I just want to write a book. It was like, I have to write this book. And I, yes. I didn't know why I had to write it. I just knew I had to write it. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, I have to be consistent. And so I joined that writing practice, knowing that would give me the accountability. And it was, and I was, and I just made the decision that I would come every single time. Um, and it would be the priority and that I would not miss the session unless I absolutely had to. Well, at the time I didn't, I, I missed Wednesdays because they were just too early, but I, you know, I would go to every time that I had committed to. And then, you know, sure enough, the book started getting written when you actually work on it. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you wow. do small, boring practice every single day. <laughs> one hour a day. That's all it took was one hour a day. Like I didn't work yeah. on it any other time. It was just during writing practice. Yeah. And, but during that time, it was transformational because it was like, I would, I was slowly figuring out what the book was. At first, the book was like half like half an art education book because I was still kind of trying to stay in the teacher world. And then it was half a memoir type thing. And then like the more I worked on it, um, especially when I started working one-on-one with Heather, it became full memoir. Because all along, like when I created the Art Connection Circle and when I, when I started writing this book, like I kept thinking, how do I, how do I show people this? rather than how do I tell them it? Like right. you can, I could tell people all day the power of what magic can happen when you look at a work of art, but if yeah. they don't experience it for themselves, they don't see what it's like, like telling them is nothing, giving them stats. And, yeah. We got to give them the experience. Um, yeah. Yep. So uh, ultimately what the book is, is now it, sh- it shows them. But um, so I, I was doing that, you know, writing every day and I was realizing what transformation that was for me. And then, but really like around that same time that I was in the bug soup trying to figure out this program, I had this very clear download that I need to make art. Uh, it was a few days before Christmas and it was a few months after your, um, your retreat that where we made art, <laughs> but it was like, um, it was just so clear and it was, it was undeniable that I have to make art. My first instinct was, uh, you can't make money doing that. That was my first instinct. And then I was like, that's not what art's about. And so, but then I was, but I was so, um, I had made art since I was in my early twenties, probably. Yeah. And, and I was like terrified because I, I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I had enough ideas. And I had been looking at art in my career for the last, you know, 20, more than 20 years and all this great art. And I'm like, there's no way I can make art as good as that. Um, mm-hmm. And and how could I ever? And I'm like, well, that's not what art's about either. <laughs> it's not about like. So I was just like, kind of right. All the like, little protectors yeah. come up that want to oh. keep you safe, and they have so many different voices. And whether it's you can't make money or you're not good enough, and yeah, you know those those protectors are there to do a job because they're afraid for you. They mean well, but yeah. 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 And so I kind of like, okay, I did make a painting almost right away because I had a friend who was having a divorce party and I made her a painting and that was fun. But then like, I did not make any art for a good eight months, but I was like, I made an art studio and then I like <laughs> ordered supplies. I like spent a very long time, like not doing it yeah. um, until, until I was like, well, I need to figure this out. And then I looked, I was like a, a few months into writing practice. I was like, okay, this is working. I was like, what if I did the same thing I'm doing with writing practice mm-hmm. with art. And so I was running our connection circle and I added in a art making time, um, a weekly art making time where I was like, at very least I will do it during that an hour and a half every week. And it was like that, that forcing myself to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Setting up. Oh, Let me yeah. shift that. So you didn't force yourself. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling in these threads that, you know, we've talked yeah. about in different programs. You, cr- you set up an accessibility plan. You set mm-hmm. up nourishing practices. You set up containers that would support you. You didn't have to shame yourself or beat yourself up into doing it. You didn't have to kick your ass into doing it, which are all very coachy things. You set up, you have it stacked. You saw one habit that worked and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, let me recreate this for something else I want to do. Yeah. And I I even, I wrote it. Right. There's a list somewhere, but I wrote down like everything that works about writing practice. And it was like uh, the commitment to a time, the community element, the, like the, 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 the the choice to only work on my book during that hour. Like I could just be like, Oh, I'm going to write an email today. I'm like, no, I I only allowed myself to work on my book during that hour. And like, so it was like, I, I figured out all the things that worked and then I'm like, okay, let's just see if I can do that with art. And then once I started making it, it was just like, like, um, it was like coming home to me, you know, like mm-hmm. being back who I was when I was a kid. And like, I'm going to start sobbing because it was the same way with writing the book. Like Heather at one point was like, what do you think about poetry? And I was just like, I immediately just like freaked out and started like sobbing because I was like, that's the same thing. It was like, I used to write poems too. When I was a kid, and I was like, Oh gosh, I'm making art and writing poems. I'm like, this is who I was when I was 11, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And then it was just like that around the same time of like, I realized I was a writer probably about six months into writing practice. I just had this like flash of like, oh, I'm a writer. <laughs> like it was amazing. And I was sobbing. And then a few weeks later, I was like, what if I call myself an artist? And I was like, well, I can't do that. That doesn't, oh, I'm not an artist. Um, so I made artists my word of the year, uh, for this year. And so I'm, I still, and you've been doing updates about, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, I, our, our identity is underneath the way we behave and it can yeah. go subconsciously. And so we behave to the identity that is already there. Or if we want to create a new result, we, we have to adopt the identity underneath the behaviors, right? Yeah. And so writing showed you that. And then again, habit stacking or, or practice stacking, right? Mm-hmm. Repetition, time on task, repetition, time on task, people. I love your dreams, but if there's no <laughs> practice, yeah, uh, sorry. So then it's like, oh, I am, I am making art. I'm becoming an artist. I am an artist. And I, I don't remember what day it was, but I remember you showed up one day and just made that declaration. Like, yeah. I just am. And it, and it, but it's still, I mean, it's May now when we're recording this. And like some, I was at a thing last week at my yoga studio and uh, we were talking about art or something, something art came up or whatever. Oh, I said, I used to want to be a Disney animator. And then she was like, are you an artist? And I was like, <laughs> I had this like catch in my chest. And I was like, yes. I am, <laughs> but it felt like I was just like, ah, I still am not hundred percent, but like, but I do, I have those feelings of like, okay, I'm not being productive when I'm making art. I'll be like, I'm not being productive enough. I'm not working on my business enough. And then I, I have an, an uh, uh, you know, this is some of the people say to have like an alter ego who's like your, the identity that you want to be. And I right. have, I do have one, but it's like, it's, there's an artist I love. Her name is Swoon. And, and she's a real artist. She's fantastic. And I was like, would Swoon be upset? Would Swoon be judging herself for making art because she's not productive enough? No, because she's an artist. This is what she does. And I'm right. like, I, I'm I always those, like, what would right, Swoon do? Mo- 
Those <laughs> mechanisms are good. Like we can use those as a weapon or we can use those as a bridge. And yeah. I, I do think there are times when someone said this the other day, jokingly, and they were like, oh, what would Allison do? And in that context, I was like, yeah, that's actually a really good thing for you because <laughs> I do a yeah. lot of things that people aren't willing to do and they want the results that I have. And a lot of it is the invisible work, right? And so I mm-hmm. think I think those kinds of, um, for some reason, the word I want to use, it may be totally wrong, but those kind of schemas that we can do um, when we can use them to support ourselves on the journey of reinvention, because it does not happen like a light switch. There are so many parts that get up and start parts part. That's what they're going to do. <laughs> and um, so I love it, right? Like, no, that's what we we do. The other thing I hear in your story that feels familiar, but sometimes I'm too close to mine, but as I'm witnessing that 11-year-old girl knew she was an artist, um, yeah. you know, and she would have identified it. And, and life, I think there's a Picasso quote that's very common, but it says, mm-hmm. art, you know, washes the dust. There goes my, I lifted my arm and it is. <laughs> oh, <you> know, no. <laughs> hold on. Headphone issues. Don't play music on our podcast. That would be illegal. Okay. <laughs> It's, it's every child is an, I know there's two quotes. I love the dust one, but there's every child is an artist. It's something, it's, it's that freaking quotes, even in my book. It's something about like, remember, remembering to be one or something like that. That one I'm and not I never, familiar with as, oh. as the art dusting, the, the dust art washes the dust off of everyday life. Yeah. Yes. And everyday life. And then especially adulting. And as we accumulate parts the coping skills, um, you know, it, it does get pushed aside, but so Mm -hmm. I think the artist was always there through your practices and you're willing, you uncovered your true nature and, you know, and I've had loving arguments with people who are like, well, I can't do that. Everybody is innately creative yes there are certain skills and some of those skills we can learn and some people have natural inclinations and then there are the few people that have just these really wild gifts but everybody has creativity as the core of their being yeah and And one thing i really realized too is like i you know I thought making art was you have an idea of what you want to make mm-hmm. and then you make the thing that you came up with in your idea. And yeah, I was like, space. I can't do that. <laughs> it's like, I can't one. I'm very not visual. People always think I'm visual because I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm an artist and I study art my whole life, but I'm not visual. Like in my head, I don't see things. I feel yeah. things. And, and so it's like, I don't see, I don't see a thing in my head. I'm going to see like glimmers of things, but like, I don't have, I just like, I don't have ideas for like what it should be. And then if I did have an idea, I don't, I don't know how to like actually make it happen. But then I was like, who taught me that? Because no, no some artists do do that. Um, but then most artists that's not how they make art. They make art more intuitively or they just, you know, and I was like, why do, why did I think I had to do that? And so when I started just showing up, I decided to use an art journal because I was like, I need something really low, like really easy, low stress that, you know, there was no pressure. 
And um, I got like every supply I could possibly ever want because I didn't even know what I even like to do anymore yeah. or what I could, you know. So I just had all this stuff and I was like, well, I'm just going to start making stuff and just see what happens. Experimentation. And then I realized, oh, wait, just like with writing, like it's a, I learn, I, the, the art becomes what it becomes through the process. Yes. And like you said in one of our coaching calls one time, um, it, the process reminds me of what's true. And I wrote it on a note card. <laughs> it's on my art table because I'm like, it is. It's mm. all like every, if I've ever, since I started making art um, last year, if I've ever tried to like direct it in any sort of way, like mm-hmm. I want to make an artwork about this. Like yes. I cannot do it. I have to just start making stuff. And sometimes they do end up with meanings. A lot of them do. I usually end up putting quotes and things. And But like, it never comes from, I want to make an artwork for that quote. It's I make an artwork and this quote fits that. And so yes. then I add the quote. Yes. Um, and it's, it's all about just like, what, what do I do next on this artwork work? Okay. I put this color down. Well, what would look good next to it? Okay. And then what would I do after that? It is, it's completely, it is completely processed. It's a relationship with the materials and your intuition and your body and your like, you know, sometimes the page asks for something and sometimes your body asks for something and sometimes your brain asks for something. And it is, you know, I, I really dove in that to that with the expressive arts you know, in, yeah. in that way. And it was interesting because one of the ways Chris Seidel, I'm going to have her on um, shortly to record with her next week. Actually, I don't, we'll probably talk about the creative process at some point because she's also a process expert. You're a process expert. Um, and the process does remind me of what's true. And the process also reminds me that I can trust myself but mm-hmm. it, it has been helpful. Some people say it sounds so negative, but it is helpful for me to understand that the systems of society do not want me to trust the process. They want me to hit the buy now button for immediate mm-hmm. satisfaction. Yeah. And you know, I just realized too, while you were talking that I had not realized before until just this minute and I can't believe I haven't, but the parts of the time when I was doing my business and enjoying it the most were times when I was in the process, when I was building the website, when I was writing the blog post, when I was like, oh, what do I do next? Oh, what do I, oh, that, that sounds fun. Let's do that next. And it was when I started to become results focused, yep. where I have to reach this number, where I have to, that, and that where I have to like systematize. That's when I lost it. That's when I lost the love for it. Right. When it became so- about. The results. I'm making up an imaginary scenario, but how many people, especially in the personal development world, go, oh, I did it wrong. Let me spend another $30,000 with this person who can help me do it right. And I get it, man. It is hard. We have bills to pay. You are big breadwinners in our households. Yeah. <laughs> and we have, we have legitimate responsibilities. And so we've chosen to combine something we love with And I think there are pros and cons to finding, to creating a business out of something you love. They say you'll never work a day in your life. I don't think that's true. I think there's, it's the hard we choose and there's a lot of delight in it, but there is the edges of it. And some of the frameworks are a pain in the ass and they need to be done. Yeah. But my recent reinvention and a client asked me a couple weeks ago and she is also a coach and trainer and she has the skills and she looked at me and said how on earth are you able to make this decision 
because she gets the financial potential implications. And I said three things. One, you have two of. We both have the time on task and the skill. We have the coaching skills and the marketing skills, the creating client skills. I said, but the thing that I have done that that I don't think that you have is you may have had some insights about the parts work, but you have not done the practice Like every single day I do writing practice, every single day I do some form of arts practice. And what I mean by the practices, does it look the same? It's very much like the writing process or making art. It's Mm -hmm. like open the page. What's here? What needs to be connected with? Right? What needs to be felt? What it's very much maybe I'm having an insight. Maybe that's why I like IFS so much, is because it is instead of a psychology insight. It gives me the ongoing process and the mm-hmm. process builds self-trust and support. And so holy yeah, and with everybody IFS- run out and go find a process and start practicing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah, worry about like, becoming an expert. Just practice and watch what happens. <laughs> yeah, because I keep think I think about like you talk about anxiety and it's like now it's like, you know, they're there anxiety, I see you, you say, and then um, before it might've been, how do I get rid of this anxiety? And yeah. so like that there, there, I see you. That's the, that's the process getting rid of the anxiety. That's the result. Yeah. And it's like, the more you push towards the result, it's like the, then the anxiety is just like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to flare up even more. Oh, so yeah. I'm going to make yeah. your life hell, <laughs> you know, because so so you're not listening to me. Right. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Let's start to wrap up. Thank you for sharing all these stories and thank you especially for the tender moments. And and I love that those came out because, you know, we see people making these kinds of changes and you and I made our changes kind of publicly. You know, some people go mm-hmm. away for a while and they come back different. And you and I were like, it's, it, it seems like we get off a phone call and we implement, but there's been so much bug soup pre-work yeah. behind yeah. the scenes done. And so here you are, you did show up at camp last week. You had not only had you completed your book, you also completed that art journal. That was an interesting timing. So talk about that. And then what's on the horizon in the next couple of months for you. Okay. Yeah. In this reinvented, because you are an artist, you are a writer, you are an author, and this is who you be today. Yeah. Yeah. I, from camp last year to camp this year, I, I had started, I, yeah, I wrote my, I finished my first draft the day before I left for camp. And then my art journal, I was on the, I finished the last page at camp, like while we were, yeah. <laughs> like I was, uh, and, and it was just, I, I look at it and this is the last chapter of my book too. It's just like, I don't, I, I finished these two things. I'm sim- like simultaneously created these two things um, while in like deeply embedded in the process of creating those two things and then becoming the person who can create <laughs> these two things. And so yeah. what's next is like, honestly, I don't even, I don't even know what's next. Like, I just know that I'm on the right, I'm on the right track. I know that like, uh, I don't, I don't know how, like, it's not like, yay, I reinvented myself and now I'm making the same money I was making. <laughs> like, no, that's not, right, that's right. not happening. But you are going to wake up Monday or not Monday because it's a holiday, but you are going to wake up Tuesday morning and come to writing practice. Oh, 100%. And you're going to yeah. make art yep. on Tuesday, right? I remember yep. Bill saying, I, he was like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to writing practice. And he was like, 
you just published your book. This was my book was published, I think, December 8th. And on December 9th, I went to writing practice. And he was like, But you, yeah. and I was like, I'm a writer. I go to writing practice. Yeah, I'm not ever going to not go to writing practice. I have a lot of <laughs> books, I have book ideas. I, I can't wait to market the book. I think that, and I have so many ideas for how to take the book and like um, experiment with ways of creating programs and speaking and, and different things. So it's just, I'm going to keep following the feeling of what I'm being called towards. Yeah. Because that really has been... Um, that's that's been it's been calling me my whole life i think that i am not a religious person but i do feel like there is like the there is a, a me inside that has been like pulling just kind of pulling me gently along my whole life and so i'm just going to keep um keep following that i don't, really don't know what it looks like and that that is weird because i have been always so results driven but now i'm like no the process is going to is going to lead me to whatever it is and i'm I'm, I love this and I love it's kind of like, even though they are going to be two different topics of podcasts, this is like part one and we're getting to mm-hmm. see some of the story of your process and we'll, we'll be pausing here, you know, on this mm-hmm. day. And, um, you know, I know some of the behind the scenes of the things you're going to go to get your book edited and then proofed and the exterior design. And then, the, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot more steps that, um, that get that require your work and your effort. And then also, like, as you said, you're developing, like you, I, I asked you to come and and do an art and self session with my clients at camp. And because you do enjoy speaking and facilitating the magic of, um, in the same way, Heather brings haiku. I'm going to have Heather on too. Heather brings haiku and gives everybody three words and everybody has the same three words, but there are mm-hmm. 30 different poems and, and everybody looks at the same piece of art, but there are 30 different experiences yeah. within those humans that do that. And so I think it's going to be really fun, not just the result of the outcome of your book, but kind of also to catch up on the process and how, when you show up for yourself every day in whatever ways work for yourself. And the other thing you said, following the feeling, and I love that you didn't say just following the feel good. The core feeling does mm-hmm. feel good, but it is not without a bunch of fuckery and fear oh, yeah. and anxiety and overthinking. Like those parts are gonna part because yeah. if you had to wait until you weren't afraid or weren't doubtful, we wouldn't be here today. So it's a yeah. both and thing. So I, I I don't even know if you made that distinction, but you're like, I followed the feeling. And it's like, okay, so the feeling took me through bug soup. The feeling took me through letting people I love go in my business. The feeling took me to 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 these decisions in my life that were not easy. Yeah. I don't and I just had this like the bro marketers that says, This is really fucking fun. Quit your job and re and follow this seven-step program. No, so welcome we're to Mexico. the messy club, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. I had the same discussion last week, and it was like about fear, and I was like, I have a lot of fear about like this thing. I'm, and it's like my my therapist was like, fear is either what did she say? Like, uh, fuck everything and run. I don't know if that's exactly. It feels like something she would say, or face everything and rise. And I was like, yeah, there's fear. Um, but that that fear is not coming from a place of like, the, the fear is not coming from a dangerous place. It's coming from a like, 
oh, this is really exciting, and but it's really yeah. scary. But they feel yeah. exactly the same as if I'm, you know. So it's like, yeah, there's. If if I were to follow the good feeling, then I don't think I could have done any of this because it was right. like most of this was not. Well, when you show up and do the practice, I also think if I put it in a parts perspective, when you show up in practice and there are many days when all of us in practice, like, well, it's like, this is the rest of my life. And I call it the hate your boyfriend phase. Like this is fucking horrible. I hate it. I can't believe it. I mean, everybody has, whether it's a day or a season in this, what I'm finding as I look back kind of you know, under the IFS lens is showing up with time on task builds trust in the parts. Otherwise we're overthinking in our head. But when we make our body, when we commit our body to be in the physical, mental, emotional, creative practice every single day, that builds trust. Mm -hmm. So you know how to be with your fear, however she shows up. You know how to be with her as she's excited, but you also know if you wake up at two o'clock in the morning with a panic attack, which that's not something I've ever heard you say that you've done. So I just made that up out of the blue, but you also know how to, you know how to be in the process with that too. Yeah. Process people, process people, be in process, value (laughs) process. The world is going to tell you to hit the buy now button and just become somebody whose identity is I'm process partaker. <laughs> okay. Yep. Any last words from here? This oh. has been fun. I, you know, I always love just talking about these things with you. And yeah, and um, I appreciated your recognition. I was in a meltdown mode, and Cindy looked at me and she goes, "Oh, you're reinventing now." Because I didn't <laughs> her, she went through, and yep. so she, now I can see it. But I couldn't see it at the time. I was, in, I was like, "What's the quicksand going on underneath me?" Oh, reinventing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. yeah, I remember like, there was a words. point. Yeah. Your point yeah. told me I was in bug soup. And then I looked at you one time. I was like, oh, she's in bug soup. Um, <laughs> yeah. Last words. I don't know. I, I guess. Um, Oh, process. Yeah. Bob. Awesome. And I'll put, <laughs> all the, I'll put all the traditional things in the um, show notes, but your website is um, artandself.com. Artandself.com yeah, on Facebook and, then, and Instagram. If you type in Cindy Ingram with art and um, art and self, you'll find me. And then I also have a podcast art and self with Cindy Ingram. And if you're an art teacher, then go to art class curator. But I, I don't know if any, I've got any art teachers. I don't, I, you never know, but I don't know that my audience <laughs> is art teachers. That would be really yeah. fun if it was, but um, yes, artandself.com on the socials, the podcast. She does really interesting podcasts where she shares, she gives you, gives her guests the experience that she's talking about, right? So she doesn't just talk about the art. You have, the, the, I was a guest once and I didn't know what piece pieces she was going to show up. So it's fun because something different comes up for every single different person. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending Thank time you. and um, sharing your heart and showing your work on this podcast today. Thank you.